Hey everybody and welcome back to the Out To Be Podcast. It's your host Katie Zaccardi and today I'm chatting with Niani Armstrong. Niani is a financial coach and together her and her husband paid off $71,000 of debt in their first two years of marriage on one teacher salary. So as you can imagine, our conversation today is amazing. Niani's gonna teach us how we can get started on our debt journey, pay off our debt, and still be able to have a emergency fund, backup fund, whatever you wanna call it, so that you are not going broke during times of uncertainty. And we all know that right now, things are kind of uncertain. So whether you lose your job or you just have unexpected income come in or go out, we wanna set you up for financial success, and that is all about what we're talking about today. Before we dive in, I want to mention that today's episode is sponsored by the Wealthy Musician Bundle. Since we're talking about finances, I want to remind you that you can grab the Wealthy Musician Bundle at any time, and now is a perfect time to get it so that you can set yourself up for financial success. The Wealthy Musician Bundle includes a three-part mini course all on making friends with your bank account, getting comfortable with your money, knowing what's coming in, what's coming out, and ultimately being able to track your finances and make more of it. It also comes with the Musicians Make More Money Budget Tracker and Planner, which is my all-time favorite tool that I use with my clients because it's hands-on. It allows you to track your money, do your budgets, do your planning, track your debt paying off or whatever other money goals you have, maybe like saving for an album, and do it all in this one planner without having to get down and dirty doing calculations or formulas yourself. It's all there for you. It makes it super easy. And this way you're really clear on your financial goals. You're able to plug any leaks in your spending. You're able to optimize your income, plan to make more income, and just all around do so many juicy things around money. So you can grab your Wealthy Musician Bundle by heading to Bit dot lee slash the wealthy musician so if you head to bit.ly slash the wealthy musician you can go ahead grab yours and get started immediately all right let's dive into today's episode hey niani and welcome to the out to be podcast hello thank you for having me it is my pleasure i love talking money and i'm super excited to talk money with you today so before we dive in tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became a financial coach Sure. Yeah. So um, my husband and I, shortly into our marriage, found ourselves in $71,000 worth of debt. Um, It was car debt. It was credit card debt. It was all the vacations that we took piled on the credit card. It was, you know, we got suckered. We went to a presentation. We got suckered into buying pots and pans for $3,000. We put those on a credit card. I mean, (laughs) we were making the most ridiculous financial decisions. So, um, you know, shortly after we got pregnant, um, had my baby and I was like, all right, we need to get a house. We were living in an apartment at the time, wanted to have a house for her. But I realized that A, our credit score was terrible because we had so much debt. B, we had so much debt. It was getting all of our minimum, our paycheck was going to minimum payments. So that was just not going to happen. It was not even a possibility to get into a house. So um, I started staying up late at night. I was like, what can I do to get ourselves into a situation where we can afford a nice place to live for our kid. And, you know, like I just really, I I had no direction. Personal finance is something that is not taught in school, right? They teach us like the most ridiculous things that we'll never learn ever or that we'll never use. Um, But personal finance, something that we really need to know how to, you know, pay for our lives. It's never taught. So my husband and I just had no real background and we were just making really 
really foolish financial financial decisions. So um, I stayed up late literally every single night searching the internet, um, trying to see like how to get us out of debt the quickest. And you know, there's so many different resources out there that it was like overwhelming because everybody's situation is so unique that it's hard to say it's not a cookie cutter thing. It's hard to say what would work for somebody, what would work. So through trial and error, I was able, we were able to pay off that $71,000 in two years and on one salary, it was just my husband working at the time. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, so we, um, we, you know, we really, I, we put in so much hard work. Um, but all throughout that journey, I was just wishing that I had had someone next to me saying like, okay, let me take a look at your financial situation. This is what you have to do. And so because I had to do everything through trial and error on my own, I wound up like finding a love for personal finance. I got very involved in like the debt-free community on Instagram. And, um, you know, I just, I loved it. And I was like, you know, what? I need to help people not be in this situation because I know what it's like to have like $15 left for the next two weeks, you know? Yeah. And so I was like dedicated to helping people, um, you know, get themselves out because there totally is a way out. And I've been there and I know like I've been, you know, broke and I've been on the other side where we're debt free and we're thriving and we just bought another house. And, you know, I, so I know what can actually happen as hard as it may look as, as hopeless as your situation may feel. Um, I definitely know what it's like to come out on the other side. So that's basically why I became a financial coach. And I, that's what I help my clients with right now. And it's just like the most fulfilling job ever. That's amazing. Now, obviously this podcast is for musicians. So we're going to talk about money and musicians, which you understand because you actually also kind of work in the music industry. Yes. I've been playing the piano my whole life since I'm seven years old. Um, so 21 years already, which is crazy. Um, I went to performing arts high school for high school. I, I majored in vocal. Um, and so I definitely, music is very near and dear to my heart. I actually, now I teach piano lessons. I teach vocal lessons. I teach flute lessons. So I definitely, am not a stranger to the music industry. I love it. And I'm sure then you understand the mindset that so many musicians have that there's no money in the music industry and that it's hard to make money in the music industry. So I definitely want to dive into that today. But for anybody who is feeling this way of just like, especially now, maybe they got laid off from their job. So they have the opportunity to go full time with music and try to make it work. Or they're just struggling, um, no matter how many jobs they have, but struggling to like keep on top of their debt, pay off their goals, be able to like record and even maybe invest in a coach and they're just feeling like they're underwater bogged down. What do you feel like is the first thing that you tell people to do or recommend for anyone who's just feeling so, so overwhelmed? They don't even know where to look when it comes to making more money and being able to do what they want with it. Yep. So the first thing that I would say to do is to change that mindset from thinking money is hard. I will always be broke. I will always be struggling to money is a beautiful tool. Money is in abundance everywhere because it really, really is. Um, you will find an opportunity to make money everywhere. And so it's like, um, it's funny because I tell this story where I think I spoke to you about it before where um, I, I live in New York and whenever I go to New York City, I, um, I never take public transportation. I always take my car and people think I'm crazy because they're like, oh my goodness, there's no spot there. Like you're never going to find a spot. And yeah. I'm like, oh, no, I am going to find a spot. Like watch, I'll find a spot. And, be yeah. and I always do. And I really believe that it has everything to do with the mentality that I'm going in knowing that 
there, you know, somebody else had found a spot. I have to find a spot too. And it's the same thing with your money. Somebody else is successful. There's no reason why you can't be successful too, no matter where you are on that, on your financial journey, as hard as it may sound. So the first thing is to get that mind, mindset block um, out of your mind and to believe that you are deserving and to believe that it's possible for you. And I think that deserving part is so important, especially for musicians, because it's really easy to think, um, you know, I haven't worked hard enough to make X amount of money as a musician, or, you know, even the idea that sometimes comes up for me is like, oh, I'm able to work like four hour days or five hour days or not eight hour days or not 12 hour days. I shouldn't be allowed to make this much money. I shouldn't deserve, I don't deserve this when, yeah, you do like you are inherently deserving of this, but if you don't believe that, then yeah. you're not going to come through. You're not going to go through with the actions or show up in that way. And so I think that is huge. I'm so glad you mentioned it. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is a real thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My listeners know very much about that. No, it's true. So tell us why, when we were talking about, you know, what we could chat about today, you said we could talk about why traditional budgets don't work. So tell us a little bit about what you mean by a traditional budget. And then let's talk about why they don't work. So a traditional budget is when you take your net income and you subtract your expenses and whatever's left at the end of the month is supposed to be like a pretty number and you're supposed to have like all this money left over. But as you know, like we don't get paid on the first of the month and then all of our bills get subtracted on that same day. Our lives are not, that's not how life works, right? Like, yeah. You know, Monday we could spend $50, Tuesday we spend nothing, Wednesday we spend $300, Wednesday we spend, you know, like it's just, life varies so much. So you can't possibly predict how much you're going to be spending throughout the month and just put yourself into that cookie cutter budget because you're going to, first of all, you're going to feel like you're failing because you're never going to wind up with as much money as you think you quote unquote should at the end of the month. And second of all, it's just not realistic. It's not a realistic way to budget. So what I do with my clients is that um, I have them break up the month into all the four weeks. And what we do is we um, make categories for everything that they're going to be spending so that every penny that they spend is already accounted for. So instead of, you know, just randomly spending 300 this day, 200 this day, we have everything um, has its own category. So they know what they're allowed to spend for that week. Yeah. And it makes it so much easier to track on a weekly basis versus just randomly thinking what you might spend for the entire month and then coming out much like very short at the end of the month and feeling like you did something wrong. So a lot of times people try budgeting that way and then they feel like, you know what, I tried it. It's not for me. It didn't work. I wasn't good at it. Right. When not, none of that is true. It's just, they needed a, a more simple plan on how to track their finances and how to see what's really left over at the end of the month. Hmm. So how do you track it then if you're going week by week for bigger expenses or unexpected expenses? Or for instance, for me, I know like I'll get my hair done once every quarter, basically like once every three or four months. And that's like a good chunk, but mm -hmm. it's just happening like randomly. And obviously it's not recurring like groceries or gas where it might be a weekly recurring thing and relatively the same amount each week. How yeah. do you recommend going about tracking that? 
So that would be what's classified as like a variable expense. So that changes. Um, it could either change from month to month or it could be like quarterly, like you're saying. So if it's something that's a really big chunk that it really depletes your bank account, whatever it comes up, what you would do is you would start something called a sinking fund where you would save a little bit of money every single month and put it aside so that when that big event comes, you already have all of that saved and it doesn't all hit your bank account at once. So that's what I always recommend to my clients. And that's what we always set up our sinking funds to make sure that because life is not linear and we have all these different unexpected expenses coming, the money is already there because we've been saving little by little. And I mean little, like really a sinking fund could be like $30 a month, um, yeah. little by little all along the way. So that when yeah. these big expenses come, you're not, you're not surprised and you're, you're able to have that fund there to fund them. That's a great idea. I love that. Do you like to put it in a specific type type of account? Like, should it go in your savings versus your checkings or should it go in like a high yield savings that you don't really touch? What do you, what do you like to do when it comes to that? So it totally depends on the person. Like I said, like budgets are totally unique. That's why it's not one cookie, cookie cutter way. You can do all of the above. Um, a high yield savings account, it depends on where you have it, but Typically, they allow you to dip into it like six times a month. So yeah. you can leave, you know, your savings in there without being penalized for having to, to go in there. Um, but people decide people want to keep cash at home. Some people do it in cash envelopes, right? So they'll, you know, have a sinking fund on the front of every envelope and they'll just keep contributing cash to that. Um, other people open bank accounts. Like I know Capital One, they have a um, savings account where you can actually label different sinking funds in that one savings account. So you really? can have one savings account with a bunch of sub-saving categories. No way. So yeah, so some people choose to do that. Some people choose to put it in their savings account, but just keep a, you know, like maybe a notepad of what so say you have like 5,000 in savings and then a thousand is for this and you know, right. whatever. So write it down that way. So there are so many different ways that you can track your savings. That's so interesting. I never thought about it that way. And the organizational freak in me is like really mm -hmm. intrigued by capital ones. Like, oh yeah, that's so interesting. Yes. Wow. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So now we're in a place where things are honestly just inconsistent and they could change at any moment. We don't really know what's going to hit us. What's it going to happen? We don't know if the government's going to push more money into the economy and give us more money. But then as we know, that might kind of end up inflating things in the long run. Like we just don't really know. And for some people who are listening to this, they might also feel like they're jobs are either unstable or just not predictable. They could get laid off. They've already gotten laid off. Like we said, I mean, everyone's in a different position, but I think we can all agree that we want to set ourselves up for financial stability just in case the event that something doesn't go as planned. So especially Absolutely. given the time that we're in now, what are your tips for some small but really impactful actions we can take to make that happen and make sure that we're not like totally screwed over and crying at our bank account the moment something unexpected happens? Right. So the first thing I would recommend is to start a savings account like you mentioned an emergency fund um definitely the first step i always recommend to anybody you would think that maybe the first step when you're trying to get you know go through your debt-free journey may or just your financial journey if it's for savings or any, whatever you're looking to do you may think that the first step would be to like maybe list all your debts or to you know organize your bank account but the first step you want to have is to actually um, make yourself an emergency fund so that god forbid in an emergency if you get laid off if you any any 
you know, your boiler breaks, whatever, um, you have that cash to fall back on. That's the first and foremost thing. So how do you, um, how do you fund an emergency fund if you don't have any extra money, right? Um, what I recommend is a bunch of different things. There, like I said, there's money to be made everywhere. So if you have an opportunity to make money, don't turn it down, number one, especially like in the music industry or whatever, whatever. It could be babysitting. I just got off, I just finished babysitting my neighbor's kids for three hours. Like it was an opportunity to make some some money. So any opportunity that you have, don't turn it down and make sure that you're actively putting money into savings. It doesn't have to be a huge amount. It can be literally $20 at the end of the week. It's fine. A lot of people, a lot of times people discount and say like, oh, it's only $20. It's not going to make a difference. No, it does. It, every little bit adds up. And so definitely you're going to want to set yourself up um, with savings. You know, you can always, there's so many things, so many ways to cut back on your on your expenses every month. And that's one of the first things that I do when I meet with my clients. The second meeting that we have is literally negotiating every single bill that is that they have, because I want to make sure that nobody's leaving any money on the table. I want to make sure that nobody's paying anything extra than they have to. So that's another thing to make sure that you're not paying anything more um, than you need to, you know, you can negotiate your bills. Um, you can also just, um, you know, set yourself up in a way that you are going to be prepared for whatever is coming. Do you have like a formula or a recommended amount for calculating how much to put in an emergency fund or savings account? So it's actually funny because before COVID, I think you'd hear any financial guru say like a thousand dollars is a safe emergency fund. Yeah. Nobody expected the world to shut down though. Yeah. So, it's like a thousand dollars, depending on how much you spend each month, that could last right. you half a, a month week. or a week. I, I met with a client yesterday and she said it takes her a thousand dollars a week to survive. Yeah. So obviously a thousand dollars is not enough anymore, depending on your situation. Now, if you have um, you know, if you have, I spoke to another client yesterday, she said that she had some stocks and she, you know, she had money, um, not at her, she couldn't access the money right now. It wasn't like liquid cash, but she did have a good amount, um, in stocks and stuff like that for her, an emergency fund of a thousand dollars would be appropriate because she has money that she, if she, God forbid, needed, she really could get to. But, um, for the average person, I would say between three and six months worth of your, um, your expenses. Okay. So if you're spending a thousand dollars a month, which who's in New York is yeah, right, not in New York. <laughs> <laughs> who's spending that little bit? But if you were to spend a thousand dollars, you would want to have either three to six thousand dollars in your emergency fund at all times to prepare you for um, an emergency. So obviously, knowing what your expenses are is like that first step, so right. that you know what you're bringing, what you need to pay for each month, and then mm -hmm. you can create the emergency fund based on that number. So yeah. I love negotiating. Do you have any tips for negotiating? Like quick tips that we oh my goodness. take oh, so <laughs> many, So many. I am the queen of negotiation. Um, honestly, and it's so funny because like the clients that I take on, they, after our second session, they're like, I just made back the money that I just spent on you. Like just by negotiating their, their bills. So let's see, what's a good one? Well, it's funny actually, because before COVID, I had, well, right when COVID started, I had all my clients call their car insurance company. And I was like, call them, tell them you're not going anywhere. There's no reason for you to be, you know, be covered for a car that's not leaving your driveway. And then after that, like a month later, the car insurance company started giving um, rebates on 
like to everybody on their car insurance. No way. Because yeah. I gotta call somebody about this. You have to find out if you got it. It's supposed to be like an automatic thing. They did like a 15% discount for everybody. Yeah. Um, And the same, I said the same thing for your phone bill. Like nobody needs, um, you know, unlimited Wi-Fi now because everybody's home. Yeah. So I said, call your phone companies, call them. And I was able to get $360 back from my car insurance company. Wow. I was able to get my bill cut in half for my phone bill. Wow. Um, so it's just all about asking, you know, um, but one tip I will share with, this is one of my like secret sauce tips, and this will save you thousands and thousands of dollars a year. Um, call credit card companies and ask them to de- to increase your credit limit. Um, not only increase your credit limit, but to, um, your interest to decrease your interest rate say you'll go from paying like forty dollars a month in interest to eleven dollars or something like that like it's that if your apr can you give us a crash course on credit cards apr all that jazz okay so a credit card is something that you should get um and only if you are able to pay the difference right away so a lot of times you get suckered into these offers where like maybe it's zero percent apr which is their interest rate for the next six months but don't be fooled because when that six months is over you're going to get charged interest on the balance from the beginning all through all through the six months so that's how they make their money right so um, when you're looking for a credit card you want to look for a low apr which is really hard to find these days typically now the aprs are like 24.99 percent um the lowest opening car apr i've seen is really like 17.99 which is still very very high yeah i called my business credit card the other day and I found out it was only 18%. It hasn't kicked in yet, actually. I'm Mm -hmm. still at zero. So I called, like, can you just remind me? And I was like, oh, my God, that's so low because my regular one's, like, 24 or 23 or something like Mm -hmm. that, which is really high. 25% of whatever you don't pay off, you are accruing in interest. That is ridiculous. So it's so expensive. For every $1,000 you spend, you're, you're paying $250. So definitely, I mean, credit cards are good to build credit. If you don't pay um, it off, right? Just but, right, if you don't pay it off, yes. <laughs> um, which which most pe- a lot of people don't, and that's how these credit card companies are are so successful because they they you know they depend on the people who are not going to pay off the card. Um, but definitely, you know, you want to look for a lower rate. Um, but you know, I had a client last week; she was like at twenty three percent APR, and she got them to lower her credit card to ten percent after. I gave her the negotiation template. All she had to do was literally read off of a screen what's the what to get uh, what to say, and she literally went from that to ten percent. And so her minimum payments went from like ninety dollars a month to ten dollars a month huge on minimum difference. payment. A huge difference. So now for those five credit cards, she can use that eighty dollars times five, look what four hundred dollars, to um, you know put towards her her other financial goals, which is just huge. It's huge. So definitely you want to um, try to call your credit card companies and negotiate that, that rate. Yeah. So I want to talk about paying off debt in just a second here, but mm-hmm. that's such a good tip because, and what I like to do as well is I think my payment date for my credit card is like in the middle of the month. Like it's like the mm-hmm. 18th or something. But what I do again, cause I just am super like type A like this sometimes mm-hmm. is I will just take on the first of the month, I'll do a financial check-in. I'll go through all of my expenses and then I'll pay myself 
from the business and then I will pay off all of my credit cards as well. That way I know I'm paying early, super early. And I'm also kind of keeping track of things more month to month and not letting outstanding balances sit on my card or getting confused. Like what was this for? What was that for? And then if there is something that I feel like, all right, I had an extra unexpected expense or, you know, sometimes unexpected ex expenses are things you used to do and you are excited about, but it's yeah. more than you budgeted for. Then sometimes I'll also make up separate payment plans for myself where it's like, all right, I'll pay half of it this month, half of it that month. I know my Amex has a feature where you can do that. And at least for now, it's like no interest. So mm -hmm. you can essentially charge things to your Amex and then create a payment plan within Amex for mm -hmm. a specific purchase um, without having to pay the interest on letting it sit because you've set up the payment plan. So that's mm -hmm. just kind of like a little hack. But yeah. if you have credit card um, debt, we'll talk about that in a second. One more question I had for you. Mm -hmm. was you mentioned never say no to an opportunity to make money. Now, I know that a lot of my listeners and clients come to me, especially because they're in a place of overwhelm. They have a lot going on. They have a lot on their plate. Uh, they're balancing a lot of things already, but they still feel like they're not making any money. So for mm -hmm. them, the idea of like saying yes to a bunch of things that either might require a lot of work, but not pay them the amount they deserve or that would just keep them working really, really long days and have them be burnt out might seem just dreadful and like not an option. So what should we do if we're in a situation where we know we need and want to bring in more money, but we already feel so maxed out with what we're doing? You know what? Um, a lot of times I have clients come to me that they say that, like I'm so maxed out, like I know I need to make more money. And that's where I come in because I sit down, I look at their budget and a lot of times they don't need to make more money. A lot of times they just need to, there's so many different factors within people's personal financial situations where, um, you know, you can play away around with your due dates. You know, sometimes people have, like you said, um, you know, you have it on the 15th of the month. Sometimes people have like, um, if they get paid twice, twice a month, they'll have something, they'll have like the first half of the month be very, very heavy with bills. And then they're stuck with like, you know, $10 left for the week. Um, and then their second half doesn't have that many bills. And then, you know, they, but they feel so broke because their bills are coming out at the wrong time. So that's something that we do. We sit down, we look at when your bills are coming out. We look at how, again, what you're paying, make sure that you're not leaving any money on the table because that can give you a huge increase. Like my client that I just spoke about, she got a $400 a month increase just by, just by, um, you know, yeah, negotiating just by negotiating. Yeah. Um, so there are so many different factors. A lot of, I would say truly a lot of times it's not an income issue, but it's a management issue. Mm -hmm. Um, knowing how to manage the, the money that you have. Um, if all else fails and you're feeling really burnt out, there's always, and I, I swear by this because I am a big seller on like Facebook and Facebook marketplace. Um, I'm, I've made so much, I've made literally like, yes. I'm telling you, like I've sold everything from a diaper genie to a seven piece leather sectional. Like that is my gym. Like, yeah. I have people coming in and out of here all the time on a weekly basis buying stuff. And I make hundreds of dollars on stuff in my house yeah. that I'm not using. Yes. That I'm not using. 
So that is something that when all else, not even when all else fails, but if you're really feeling burnt out, take a step back and look at, look around your house. Yeah. You have a lot of money there. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) Everything that is an item in your house, you can get money for. You pay for You might as well get the money back for it if you're not using it. Yeah. You would love this nanny. I, so I told you, but I, I got a puppy and mm-hmm. puppies cost money, not mm-hmm. just to get the puppy, but to pay for the vet and the toys and the this, that, and the other thing. Yep. And so I had intended on financially, I thought I would get him in the fall, closer to the fall. <laughs> okay. But then he just fell in my lap and I was like, okay, I'm having to yeah. So, so I was like, here's what I'm going to do though. I'm going to try to pay for this puppy and all of the expenses I'm going to have for this month. Um, not with my regular income, but by selling things. And yeah. so I still have, I haven't reached my goal yet, but mm-hmm. I pay, I made over a thousand dollars so far mm-hmm. in one month. I made a thousand dollars in one month selling stuff that was sitting around my house that mm-hmm. I intended to sell anyway. Like I want to be clear. It's not like I was going into like uh, desperation mode where I was like, right, okay, right. I can't get rid of everything. Yeah, I have. Yeah. It was literally stuff that was sitting in bags or mm-hmm. just sitting in my closet that I wasn't using. Okay. And I made a thousand extra dollars. Yep, like that's not even surprising to me because that's, I mean, and you didn't even have to leave your house. No, like, I didn't have to leave I know so fast because I also set my intention on it. Right. Like I got really clear of like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to reach a goal. A lot of this stuff mm-hmm. had been listed on one or two sites for months, maybe even years and hadn't been sold. But yeah. when I committed, I was like, all right, I'm getting on all of the sites. I'm mm-hmm. resharing it. I'm engaging. Like I'm making the effort to do it. And I moved that stuff out. So I was shipping like two to three items a day at wow. that point. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and that's even harder than what I do because for me, I just have people pick them up, pick it up. I literally leave it on my porch and <laughs> they Zelle or PayPal me or whatever, and we're good. So yeah. it can be even easier than 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 that. Totally, totally. Mm-hmm. So that's such a great tip and and such a good point. Like, ask yourself not about how much is actually coming in and coming out, but like, what are you doing with the money that is coming in exactly. and is going out, and how can you really mm-hmm. optimize that? Absolutely. You know, it's really important. I'll just say it's really important to that your financial plan it reflects who you are as a person. So meaning you want to make sure that the things that you're spending money on are things that are important to you. Okay. So um, I'm not here to say to tell anybody, oh, don't get that Starbucks drink. But if no. it's not that important to you, skip it. Yeah. If it's really important to you, then include it in your financial plan, but then skip the, the trip to Target. Yeah. Right. So like spend things that are on money that's going to actually mean something to you. That's going to align with your financial goals. And that's a huge part of it too, of that, that money management. Yeah. And it's so funny too, because I feel like that is the example that everyone uses in the financial world. And you always see is like, Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do you need the $5 Starbucks or when you're, or even like not financial coaches, but just people are being like, all you have to do is cut one Starbucks drink out of your Right. And I'm like, listen, I go to Starbucks like maybe once now. I don't even remember the last time I went to Starbucks. Like maybe once a month, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like that's not my jam. So I don't really get that. No, me neither. I I don't drink coffee and I'm not like I I guess for (laughs) I guess uh, most people out there do. I don't know, but it's so funny to me. mm -hmm. But it is true. It's like where what do you how much do you really value that drink at? Like, is it really worth having that drink? in that way and having to like drive there and get it and whatever and still like be in debt or, or feel like you're 
cringing every month at your bank account? Mm -hmm. Or can you like just buy the bag of coffee and make it at home and still get your coffee fixed, but also not be spending that much money? Like it's, exactly. it's literally about priorities and values. Exactly. Yep. So you paid off $71,000 of yeah. debt in two years, which is just like mind blowing. And I want to hear all about how you did it and your best paying off debt tips for all of us. Oh my goodness. It was, I'll just preface this by saying that it was not a fun time. <laughs> it was a really intense time of just like, like I said, taking whatever um, opportunity came up. So whether that was babysitting, I mean, like my husband was working, he's a teacher he was tutoring before school. He was tutoring after school. He picked up a job at another um, private school and, you know, like he, we just, every opportunity we had, we were just out there, we were hustling, we were grinding, we sold everything that, I mean, again, it wasn't, it was things that we were not using anymore, but right. we sold everything, like, it was to the point that I was running around my house, like, what can I sell next, like, what, like, I gotta make more money, um, and, you know, we just, we really, we just, we, there's something called, when you want to start your, you know, when you're in debt, and you're looking to get out of debt, um, there are two ways to do it, one way is, called like being gazelle intense. And that means that you're just like committed to this debt-free journey. Like you're just going to stay the course. You're not going to spend money on anything else except for bills and necessities. And then there are people, which is more like in, with, along the lines that I teach now, where you're, you can live your life while you're paying off debt. So right. that's what I like to encourage my clients to do, unless they want to, you know, do it the other way. But for me, I'm like, we weren't meant to just pay bills and die. Like life is more more than that. Yeah. So, but before I became a financial coach, I was gazelle intense and I, we didn't eat out. We, everything we bought was like secondhand. We sold all of our stuff. We sold our car that was caught. At one point we had three cars. One was financed, two were leased. And wow. just the car payments alone were 1200, not including insurance. Wow. Okay. So it was just, in, we were just in a bad place. Um, all right. We sold the car, even though we lost money on the car, we, we got rid of that monthly payment, which was like $500. Yeah. So that, that alleviated a lot. Um, but you know, like I, I hardly saw my husband, like we were just opposite shifts. We were just, we, we just went all at it. And, you know, looking back, it was so worth it because now we have four kids and I can't imagine not having my husband here <laughs> like during the day. I never saw him before. Now we're together all the time, you know? So it was like that temporary sacrifice for where we wanted to be. Um, but that's how we did it. We just, we just buckled down and, and it, it didn't take long. Even if, you know, I always tell my clients, even if it takes you two years, think about two years as, you know, compared to the rest of your life. You're going to be so glad that you made the sacrifices now and, you know, got to where you want to be. Um, it, when you look back, it went by quickly. Obviously when you're in it, it's just like, Oh, this sucks. But, um, you know, you just got to focus on where you want to be. And that's what we did. And we just, we, we did it. Yeah. So I know credit card debt is the debt that you were paying off specifically. And one that mm -hmm. I'm sure is most common and most deadly because the interest rate is so yeah. high. Oh yeah, for sure. Student loan debt is another big one. Mm. How do you, mm -hmm. I, I saw you do a mini, mini training where you talked about the different methods yeah. you could use. Method. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what do you like to generally recommend most or like what should people consider when they're trying to figure out how to go about paying off their debt? 
So totally, once again, totally depends on the person. For me personally, I use the debt snowball method, which is when you total up all your debts and you line them up from smallest to largest. And then basically you make minimum payments on every single credit card except for your smallest credit card. Your smallest credit card, you like go ham on. Like you just, every penny that you could throw, towards your smallest debt, you do that. And then once that once that's paid off, you move on to the second debt and so on and so forth. And the idea behind that is that you gain traction because you're like, hey, I just paid off a credit card. Like even though it was two hundred dollars, you you're you're amazing. You just yeah. paid off a credit card. Like yeah. this is awesome. Okay, on to the next one. Oh my goodness, I just paid off a credit card. Like it's so exciting to see that progress. Um so that's the method that I used. That's the method that I typically recommend just because I think that just keeping that momentum going like is very helpful. I think in the long run, um, you're more likely to stick with it, seeing small wins along the way yeah. versus another type. It's called the avalanche method. And that's basically to list your debts in order of interest rate. So people, um, you know, they, they say like, I don't want to pay any more interest than I have to. I want to pay off my highest interest rates first. Um, so, but the, the, the downfall of that might be that your your highest interest rate may be maybe like a $4,000 bill. And then it's going to take you six months to pay that off. And throughout the six months, it kind of gets discouraging, like just making payments and not seeing anything actually happening besides, you know, the balance is going down, but like you still have this card. So, um, you know, I've seen people succeed with both methods and both are fine for whatever you you know, whatever you prefer. But for me and for my clients, I always give them the option, but, um, you know, they typically lean towards the snowball method because of that instant gratification kind of thing where you're, you know, you get like these small wins along the way. For sure. So mm -hmm. if we know what our income coming in is, maybe we're making a little extra on top of that. Should we be putting of the bulk, and I know it's different for everyone, but like, should we be considering, okay, this amount's going to savings, this amount's going to specifically to pay off the credit card? Like, how do you recommend we stay on track and know how much we're paying off to our credit card each month? Should it be a set amount? Should it be variable based on how much we make? Like, would it? It depends on how much you want to pay off, like, really. So, um, as far as savings, like I said, when I meet with clients, the first thing that we do is set up the emergency fund before we start making payments to anything. Because when we decide that we're going to be debt free, the first thing we have to vow to ourselves is that we're never going to go into debt again, ever. So we want to make again, sure. That, yes, right? <laughs> seriously. Yeah. So yeah, we want to make, we want to say that, listen, we're never going to put anything on a card again, unless we have, unless we're doing it for the points and we have the, the money right, right there to pay it right off. So we're definitely going to want to um, not even touch the credit card debt yet. We're going to start just with that emergency fund, if emergency fund, make sure that we fund it fully so that we never have to put anything on a card again. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important because I have seen in the past clients who get really excited and to be clear too, like I'm not a financial coach, but with my one-on-one -on -one clients, we're working with finances because that's all part of the strategy. It's, it's a mm -hmm. part of everything that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so paying off debt or credit card is a goal. It can be easy to say like, okay, I just like paid all of it off because I had the money, but then it's easy to go right back into that if mm -hmm. you don't actually have the income or the savings to support the money that you're spending <laughs> the next month. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It might not be a big amount like it was last time, but it like, exactly. It's, you got to mm -hmm. keep on top it of it. It will that. get there. 
Yeah. Yeah. It will get there. Like it, a little, you put a little bit on and a little bit more, a little bit more, all of a sudden you're back in the same situation. That's why we work so heavily on mindset and goals and where we want to be so that we don't get tempted to fall back into the same trap that we found ourselves originally when we were in debt. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is so good. So I love it. Any final takeaways for anyone who's like, all right, I'm ready to go. I'm just like still not having the best mindset around money, but I really want to take these tangible tips and run with them and start to make moves in my financial uh, wellness. Yeah. So you know what, to be honest with you, I see, and it's not just because I'm a financial coach, but I see so much value in hiring a coach because the way I look at it is that it's a one-time investment that is going to teach you the strategies and tools that you need for the rest of your life. And not just for the rest of your life, but the ones that you can literally pass down to your children and your grandchildren. And, you know, the strategies that I teach are strategies that will make you a millionaire by the time you retire. Like there is no reason why nobody, anyone should not be a millionaire. There's no reason. Yeah. All you need are the tools and you need the strategies and you need to plan. And if that means that you need to sit with someone and find out how in the world can I get myself into that position and you pay a one-time fee, that fee is so, it's just, you cannot yeah. pay. In the great of things. <laughs> exactly. You cannot so pay for the amount of knowledge that you're about to receive. Yeah. And it's just, it's so worth it. So I would say for sure, like if you, need help or you don't know where um, to start, a lot of times that's an issue, right? It's like where, and I want to start so badly, but it's so overwhelming. There's so many resources all over. Where do I start? Start by getting a coach because they will look at your exact situation and they will tell you exactly how you can get to where you want to be. Not all these other people that, you know, are giving you advice, but for your specific situation. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to emphasize that because it is so important to keep that in mind. We often assume that, oh, all this stuff is just, like you said, it passed on like from your parents or grandparents or those around you. But sometimes if those people don't know, or maybe they just have not so great habits that you don't want to emulate, how else are you supposed to learn aside from, yeah. And (laughs) the other way, this is the argument I would hear for investing in general is just like, I feel like I can just do it all myself or I should just do it all myself. You are doing yourself such a disservice and you are wasting so much time. If you try to do like, yeah, I guess you could Google and listen to a million podcasts, but it's just going to get more confusing because you're going to have an influx of different opinions and information. And you're not going to have someone who's like telling you specifically what you can do for your circumstance. I love that. And it's so true. And you know what? It's also so much about the accountability that coaching provides. Yeah. Because you can say like, oh yeah, I want to start. But how many times have we said I'm starting tomorrow and tomorrow comes and it turns into tomorrow and tomorrow, right? Tomorrow never comes. So like the accountability that comes with hiring a coach is also priceless. That's what's going to really get you and propel you to really get to your ultimate goals. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much, Niani, for sharing all of this wisdom today. Where can we connect with you, work with you, keep up with you? Oh, I am on Instagram. I am Financial Rescue Coaching is my handle. And yeah, you can follow along there. You, there's, um, if you want to book a call, there's a link in my bio to, you know, we'll have a free um, 20, 30 minute conversation about your goals and how we can get you there. And you can definitely check that out. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Out To Be podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, rate and review it on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps us spread the message and get this podcast out to even more women in music. For more information on coaching services, head to katiezacardi.com. See you next week.